Welcome back to the Northeast Newscast. On this week's episode, we're joined by Jerusalem Farm Project Director Jordan Cheely and AmeriCorps Vista Adam Rossi. We'll discuss the upcoming Historic Northeast Sustainability Town Hall and the organization's work toward creating a community land trust. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Super exciting things happening in the neighborhood in lots of different aspects surrounding housing, surrounding how we can make the neighborhood stronger and make them last longer. You know, especially in places with these old houses, it seems like everything is always in need of repairs all the time. For people who don't know, do you want to give just a brief explanation of what Jerusalem Farm is? Yeah, so Jerusalem Farm is a Catholic intentional community. We're ran by individuals that um, are essentially full-time volunteers. We all live together. We run Jerusalem Farm, which is a nonprofit 501c3 organization. And we primarily do home repair in the area for families that have issues around code violations or just health and safety issues in their house that can't afford to hire contractors. Um, We bring in volunteers, our labor is all volunteer, and we only charge um, essentially a monthly no interest loan for building materials. Um, And then we also have other initiatives in the area around community gardens, composting in Pendleton Heights, um, and some of these affordability things with the land trust and um, hopefully in the near future, um, a solar solar panel program um, for some of the same residents that we work with with our home repair. So, yeah. Great. I guess, what is a community land trust for those who aren't familiar? Yeah, long story short, a community land trust is essentially a community-ran trust entity that... Um, maintains the land or the property and sells the houses, the improvements upon the property um, at a reduced, in our, in our purposes, at a affordable rate. Um, and because the trust is in place, um, we're able to ensure perpetually, long-term, um, the affordability of that house because the trust is always managing it. Um, it's a little bit more complicated than how I just explained it, but that's why we're holding community listening sessions and feedback sessions and we're forming the board in the community, hopefully made up of all residents in the Northeast um, that will help govern and guide the land trust and the goals that we're seeking. That's great to hear how much involvement is going to happen from the community. You know, um, obviously your group is at work in a lot of areas of this community, getting to know people, reaching out, making those connections. But what is the importance of, I guess, people who live here, people who work here and serve here, being the ones managing this land? Yeah, I mean, our the Northeast neighborhoods have, for a long time, can have been somewhat of a stomping ground for out-of-state, out-of-neighborhood investors, landowners um, that have rented out properties or sat on land they've acquired from the land bank um, or other ways. And some of these properties can be the most problematic properties in the neighborhood um, because they're just held as investments and not actually contributing properties to the culture and the life of the Northeast. And so it's important to us that residents who live and work and raise their kids, go to schools, go to the stores, that they have a strong voice in uh, 
yeah, who owns the land around them, how, you know, the housing, what the standards are, um, and kind of what the culture and atmosphere and vibe is of the neighborhood, I guess. So, you know, I feel like we've heard a lot lately that we need affordable housing, especially as big things keep happening downtown. Northeast gets less and less affordable, but it's not just the affordability that's key. It's the safety, it's the accessibility to, you know, public services, nonprofit groups that might help out. There's so much more than just how much you pay for your rent or your mortgage, things like that. Yes. Um, so we held this community listening project over this last year. And one of the questions we asked was, why did you choose to live in the Northeast? And affordable housing was the number one reason why people chose to live here in the Northeast. Um, but then at the same time, when we asked questions about, um, you know, other assets in the community or reasons they would live or not recommend people live here, safety was one of the number one concerns about the Northeast. So, um, there's a multitude of reasons why people live in a neighborhood and why they enjoy a neighborhood. Um, I think you're right that there's been a lot of development in the Northeast downtown. Um, there's been a lot of development and there's future things happening with the Casey current stadium, a potential Royal stadium. Um, we're bringing in the NFL draft and, um, the world cup, maybe in 2026, all of these things lead to a growing Kansas city and a desirability of people living downtown in the Northeast neighborhoods are some of the closest neighborhoods in proximity. And so I think we've seen a rise in property taxes over the years, um, but also a rise in property values, um, just in desirability. And so for us, it's important that the Northeast always be a place um, where it's mixed. You know, you, you have mixed income, but definitely a place where you can find affordable housing. And one of our concerns is that in Pendleton Heights and some of the other neighborhoods, it's increasingly becoming more unaffordable for residents who have lived here long term. Absolutely. And um, I know Jerusalem Farm obviously advertises a couple of your different campaigns, different projects you have going on in the Northeast News. And I just, I want to go back to that story of the guy who saw the ad in the paper mm. and he reached out to you all, I think about getting his roof fixed or something. And then um, you ended up finding he was living without certain utilities. And the more time I spend here, the more I realize that there's lots of people that are living without heat, without gas, without water, one or the other, and they just think that's how it has to be. It's surprising that in a city in the United States, um, in our neighborhood, that there are people that are living years without water, without electricity, um, without heating and cooling in their house. Some of these basic necessities, I would say, for a safe and healthy living. And, you know, a lot of residents are living that way, not only struggling through their conditions, but also living in fear because um, they never know if their house is going to be taken from them is the biggest fear for whatever reason. It's going to be deemed unlivable or they're going to get code violations. The city's going to find out somehow. And so, you know, it's really important for us to do that outreach and make sure that people know of the services available to them. It also is revealing that, you know, for some people we're dealing with, they really are stuck between a rock and a hard place because there just isn't, you know, 
the availability of services that meet the level of their need. And so um, yeah, a lot of our hard work is getting the word out there that we can assist you um, in some of those ways. But also there's lots of problems that we have to navigate. Yeah, so talk to me a little bit about what the process of putting together this community land trust will be going forward. I know we have one meeting tonight. Today it's Thursday, 25th, I think. <laughs> All my days are getting 26. mixed up. <laughs> but um, tonight's meeting is kind of an introduction, right? People can ask questions, get all the information. Yeah, so Saturday the 21st and then tonight the 26th, and we're also going to record the Zoom so people can view it later on. But we're giving an overview. We're reporting on the numbers from our community listening project that has led us to turning towards this community land trust as a possible or tool. Maybe it won't solve all the problems, but it'll be a tool to help address affordability. Um, and we're going to explain for people that are unfamiliar what a land trust is, how it works, and um, areas in this city and around the country that have been utilizing land trusts as a model. And so we're not just creating something, you know, brand new. Um, it's we're using a tool that's been tried and true in, in different areas. Um, after that, we're going to hold three listening sessions, um, one on February 4th, one on February 25th and one on March 11th. They're all going to be at the Northeast Public Library from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. And they're going to be on different topics. So the first one is going to be on preparing for home ownership. Um, the second one is going to be on discussing the ground lease. Um, and the third one is going to be on kind of resale formulas and ongoing commitments. So those sessions, the purpose is for residents to come to learn about those different topics and also give feedback. For instance, um, when we're targeting affordable housing, for instance, um, 80% of the area median income is usually a standard that's used by HUD and other organizations to define affordability. But in the Northeast, for instance, many of our residents are in that 50 to 60% of the area median income. So an 80% area median income house might not be considered affordable for our section of the city. This is something for us to discuss as a community, kind of what percentages do we want to target to create affordable housing in our neighborhood? And um, and how do we want to do that? And so, um, yeah, we're hoping for neighborhood resident feedback and participation um, for those that want to give of their time and energy to help us create this. So what would that participation look like long term? You know, are you looking to form committees or just looking for input at these specific meetings? Yeah, we're both. So we're looking for people that just want to come, listen, provide feedback and be done. That's totally cool. We're happy to have you there to ask your questions, to voice your concerns, to help us think about, you know, whatever it is we need to think about from other people's perspective. But then also we will be seeking people that are want to be a little bit more involved, that want to um, continue to meet ongoing and kind of be this... Um, this trust. Um, and so we have some good partners we brought together and, um, we're kind of exploring to see where this will lead, but, um, yeah, we're looking forward to it. Yeah. You mentioned that you are, you know, obviously learning things from other models that are working, uh, even right here in the city. And there is a Likens community land trust, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Is that similar? Have you talked to them, um, about that process? 
Yeah, they have the Lycans Neighborhood Trust, um, and their focus, from my understanding, and meeting with them and the folks over there doing great work, is um, it's slightly different. And they're fo- they're focusing on rental units and creating a mixed income um, neighborhood um, when it comes to rental properties, and so. In some regards, the idea of utilizing a trust as a governing body to hold um, land and properties is somewhat similar, but we have um, we have differences in in the targeted audiences and the way that we're kind of going about it. So, I wouldn't say that um, they're competing in any way. I see them hand in hand because homeownership and rental properties are important to have both of those in a neighborhood. And so we're kind of trying to work towards the same goal in similar ways, but just for different audiences. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously we need both rental properties and, you know, single family, multifamily homes. Yes. Yours will be across all of Northeast, correct? Eventually. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. So our the Northeast has always been Jerusalem Farms focus area. Um, we do our home repair in all the neighborhoods in the Northeast. Um, we do our organizing, um, all of our things. So the, the land trust for us, we see the Northeast and we've received feedback that people have a strong Northeast identity. More people from my experience say I'm a, I live in the Northeast as opposed to I live in Skerritt or I live and there's definitely those individual identities that are important, but I do find an overwhelming just kind of identity of we're in the Northeast. So yeah, we like to hear that here at the Northeast news. (laughs) (laughs) It's time to take a break to thank our sponsors. Shamika's online market in Delhi, offering catering and nationwide shipping at shamikasonline.com. Find their new deli at 16th and Swift in North Kansas City. Shamika's, where customers become friends and friends become family. From classics to campers, hot rods to hoopties, Seaberg Muffler, your exhaust headquarters since 1974. Armor Road in Burlington in North Kansas City, Missouri. And now back to the newscast. <laughs> All right, let's talk a little bit about sustainability. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, the sustainability town hall is coming up quickly. I know we've talked about it for a couple weeks here at least. Um, What are, I guess, kind of the major goals or focuses of this community-wide discussion going to be? Absolutely. I think that there are a lot of sustainability-related issues, one might say, that are coming to the forefront in our community and things that I think... Uh, will continue to be on the minds of, of people in the coming years. And this is an opportunity for uh, people living in the community to learn about um, these, these different issues and also to make their voices heard, to express opinions, ask questions of some people who are knowledgeable in those uh, specific fields. So that's, that's really the goal is for it to be a learning opportunity and just an opportunity for people to share their voices. Great. Uh, before we dive too deep, remind us the time and date. Yeah, absolutely. So it's Saturday, February 11th. It's from 2 to 4 in the afternoon, and it's going to be at Independence Boulevard Christian Church, which is at 606 Gladstone Boulevard. It's at Gladstone Independence, right across the street from um, San Antonio Market. Great. So I feel like a lot of the discussions recently, just in a broader sense about sustainability, have been you know, move out to some land, live sustainably on a farm, things like that in a very idyllic, you know, I I guess, trendy way. Mm -hmm. Here we live in an urban neighborhood. How do we incorporate these things into our daily lives? 
Yeah, that's a great question. Um, first of all, I don't think that sustainability is something that you can only do out in a farm living, you know, in this idyllic, um, you know, countryside or whatever. Um, it's definitely something we all can do. And definitely in an urban setting, I think it could be argued that, um, urban, first of all, most people in, in the U.S., uh, and more and more everywhere in the world, people move to cities, right? If you look at the population 100 years ago compared to 200 years ago, uh, compared to now, like we see this trend where people move to urban areas and live in urban places. So clearly, if you could only live sustainably in the countryside, then we wouldn't be living sustainably because most people live in cities, right? Um, but it's definitely a, a something that, that can be done. Um, and I think it goes back to like, well, what's the definition of sustainability? That's a, that's a very broad term, right? Um, but I think there's a pretty strong argument just like philosophically that it makes sense and it's efficient for people to live in cities in terms of resource distribution. So um, if, if you took the population of Kansas City and like scattered us out equally across the states of Missouri and Kansas, we would, um, that would be a lot more like water that would have to be distributed to each individual house. The houses themselves all have to be built, right? Um, if you think of all the, yeah, just um, infrastructure have to be built to support that many people. So it does just from a philosophical sense, make sense to live in urban areas together. Um, and then you are able to, you know, concentrate that growth because, you know, we are going to use resources. That's just, um, a, a truth of, of the human experience. Um, but if we're able to concentrate that, that impact in areas like Kansas city or New York city, wherever it is. Um, and then we have these other areas that are protected, right. Um, areas are, are national parks and, and forests, um, E.O. Wilson, the great um, scientist um, writer, said, had had a book uh, that came out, I don't know, five years ago, where he um, proposed this half-Earth the theory, and he talks about this idea of um, the sixth mass extinction and that um, life of all forms is going through this um, mass extinction process where many, many species are disappearing. And he says to, to combat this, we have to put half the world into half the world should be protected by 2050. That's basically his half Earth theory. And to do that, if you think about that, um, he he says, well, then humans, our concentration, we, he would say, yeah, we should be living in cities together. Um, and yeah, these are kind of big topics, right? <laughs> Philosophical thoughts. But then also, I, I, I love living in a city. I grew up in a, in a smaller town and... Um, um, I think when I was a kid, I was like, oh, I'm going to move out to the middle of nowhere and live that like idyllic lifestyle that you originally um, were talking about. But now I realize, like, man, I need people in my life and I need culture and people are in cities. Right. And we're meant to live with other people. I think we're, 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 we're social beings. Um, so it makes sense that in a cities where you find um, a lot of culture and a lot of life and, and a place where people want want to live just because other people are there. I think especially living in a walkable neighborhood. This is my first sure. time. Um, no, second time. I, I lived in a walkable neighborhood in St. Louis. But again, both, you know, mid-sized Midwestern cities and being able to walk to church, to the grocery store, you know, school. If I was walking to school, 
all those things are right there in front of me. I don't mm-hmm. have to get in the car and drive 30 miles twice a day, you know. For sure. It's nice to see the ways that just being close to everything makes you a little bit more sustainable. Absolutely. And then there's those things where you're going to really have to put in the effort, you know, mm-hmm. um, or some of the topics that will be covered in that sustainability town hall, the Kansas City Climate Protection and Resiliency Plan. Mm-hmm. I think obviously that's going to be a collective thing going forward. It's not something Absolutely. just the city can do by themselves. It's not something just people living in the city can pick up and you know do individually. It's going to be all of us working together on that. Right. Some of the other topics have gotten a little heated lately. <laughs> if you've been paying attention to the Truman Road bike lane For sure. fiasco. As somebody who actually uses those bike lanes, you know, how do you feel being better connected to your city? Yeah, I mean, all these topics are going to bring about differences of opinions because they deal with lifestyles, right? And, um, you know, I, I think one thing that we're trying to do with this sustainability town hall meeting is one, just let people know. I think some of what happened on Truman road is people felt like they were caught off guard. Like they didn't know what was coming or that they couldn't get their voices heard. Right. So we're not creating policy at this town hall event. We're just trying to bring together partners that have plans of activities in the Northeast. And we want people to have an opportunity to learn about these plans and to express their thoughts about them. So, um, like we'll have people from, Parks Department, hopefully, talking about we just did our strategic planning. There's been lots of meetings about that. Um, We want to hear kind of what are some of the next steps that are happening? What can we look forward to? How is it going to get carried out? What information can they share with us? Um, Likewise, there is a group um, that's going to be installing electric vehicle charging stations in the Northeast. We want to know, um, start to have that conversation. Like, what does that look like? Um, Where do we put them? What does that mean? How's that going to affect us? You know, um, same thing with bike lanes, same thing with the solar program that we're trying to start um, to provide solar panels for low-income families that can't typically afford them. Um, You know, how can residents be involved in a part of those initiatives? And so that's the goal. Um, Yeah. So we're not, um, you know, going to be making you're not going to be able to come to this meeting and make changes about the Truman bike lane. Uh, <laughs> Let's make that clear. <laughs> so it's, it's, we're not creating policy from this meeting, but it's more of an informational session and um, for the panelists to also hear from residents, their thoughts. So I think generally speaking, the one way to view the climate crisis that we have in our hands is a tremendous opportunity, right? It's a tremendous opportunity to rethink um, not just the way we live, but the, the way our, our world is structured, really. And and there's a lot of people that suffer in the world, right? Jordan was just shared about so many people that live in a condition that, that I would never expect people living in the United States would, would grow up in when I was growing up, right? Um, but I can see it now with my own eyes. And all of this is, is connected, really. All this human suffering um, and and... Really, it's an opportunity to to alleviate that, right? And I think it can be done in maybe a way that doesn't um, meet everyone's needs, but it could be done in a way that does if we can, you know, um, be ahead of it and 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 take some measure of control and know what people want the Northeast to look like, and then create that Northeast, right? So this is, I think, a step towards, um, yeah 
having us have agency over what we want the Northeast to look like in, in the future. I think also one concern when people hear about sustainability initiatives is people start thinking of gentrification or displacement. Um, maybe some people might fear, you know, if we, um, which I think is a good thing, if we improve all of our parks, if we put in bike lanes, if we have charging stations and solar panels on roofs, like maybe our neighborhood would become more desirable. And maybe because of that, housing prices, rent prices will go up and residents who currently live in the neighborhood are going to face higher property taxes, these other issues that come from that, that can lead to displacement. And so, you know, that's one of the topics we're going to be talking about at our meeting is like solar panels are really only affordable for the wealthy, but those with lower incomes would benefit from them the most because it would save on their month to month. So how do we do that? How do we ensure that residents who are living in the Northeast closest to the only existing coal-fired power plant um, that are experiencing those rates of pollution in their day-to-day, -day, how do they also have access to solar panels, which is a possible solution to eliminating that pollution? And so I think these are the things that we're trying to do is say, it's good to live sustainably. It's good to care for our environment, our common home with one another. Um, but how can we make sure that every resident in the Northeast has a say in that and can experience the benefits um, from that? Um, and so that's another reason why we're doing this town hall meeting is to provide that opportunity of dialogue and understanding. Yeah, absolutely. Making the sustainability more accessible to those of us who already live here. I mean, Looking at my utility bills the past couple of weeks, I am excited to get my solar panels. <laughs> I think that also dovetails nicely with what you just talked about with the um, housing, the land trust program, right? That's one way to kind of combat that gentrification. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, going back to it, it's, it's all connected. These are not, um, these issues don't exist in silos. Is there anything else you want to mention? Any other programs or events you have coming up that you think people should know about? For me, not right now. Those meetings I mentioned about the, the land trust and the town hall, I mean, I'm sure there's there's always ongoing things that we're doing. Um, but those are the main, you know, meetings coming up right now. Yeah. And what is your address if people want to stop by, you know, for the tool library or whatever? <laughs> yes, thanks. Yeah, we're located at 520 Garfield Avenue. Um, we have our tool library. People can borrow tools. You can come, come by and visit. And we do a dinner every second Tuesday of the month at 530 for anyone in the community to come join us. Um, so just give us a call or stop by to RSVP. Next one's in March, right? Yeah, March will be our next one. So Check our Facebook page. Post, <laughs> post on there about the dinners. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you guys for joining me. It's been super informative and we look forward to obviously following all these projects as they move forward and we will post those meeting times, dates, addresses, everything in the notes of this podcast. Thank you very much. Awesome. Appreciate it, Abby. Yeah.